This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. So this time we're going to be, I don't know, how many of you were here last session? A few? All right, for those of you that are new, we're looking at igniting your local church for mission. Uh, And this last time we looked at the mission of the word, Uh, was the first part, and you can catch that maybe later. Uh, by recording, but this is the second part, the mission of attendance and involvement. How can you improve your local setting through attendance and involvement? And so we're going to look at that more fully. Uh, Before we jump in too far, there was Mary Johnson was going to share. She had to use the restroom. So as soon as she comes back, I'm going to let her share because she has to head someplace else uh, just to get us thinking outside the box a little bit. Uh, But before we do that, I just invite you to bow your heads and let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group that has come because they want to make a difference in their local church. Uh, And so, Lord, we again recognize that in and of ourselves we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so, Lord, we pray that you will empower us, that your Holy Spirit will inspire us, that you'll show us something that we can use that would be helpful uh, for furthering the gospel for your glory. And so we pray uh, to that end, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mary Johnson is here. Um, She's going to talk a little bit, you know, life can become, is anybody here busy? Anybody here not busy? Do you ever feel like you're a rat on the wheel sometimes? Running, running, running. Um, It's kind of like that country song, I don't really listen to country anymore, but it used to go always running, always running behind. I mean, that's how it feels in life. You're always running behind. You never can catch up. Um, depression and anxiety is on the rise, uh, higher than it's ever been before. More people are on antidepressants and anxiety meds and, and you name it, and that causes a host of other issues, largely because of our lifestyle, uh, because we can't say no to stuff and so on and so forth. Mary Johnson and I, we met on a trip to Kenya. Was that almost two years ago? Yeah, it was 2018 January. Yeah, 2018 January. It was a Maranatha trip, and she was doing something very unique. Uh, If you get the Maranatha magazine, maybe you read an article about her, but in case you did not, I wanted her to share, I don't know, five, seven minutes about your experience. Sure. Here's this microphone. Tell us about what you did. Well, like you said, my name is Mary Johnson, and I am a mission trip junkie. I love short-term mission trips. And I had been on several mission trips, and I had met people who were retired, and they had all the time in the world to go on as many mission trips as they wanted. And I thought, yes, this is my dream. This is what I want to do in 25 years when I can retire. And so I began thinking. I said, you know what, Lord, that would just be my dream. If I could just do, like, maybe just take a year and do as many mission trips as I could. Like, you know, like midlife sample retirement, see what I'm going to do when I retire. So two school years ago, in the 2017-2018 school year, I took the entire school year off without pay to do as many short-term mission trips as I could around the world. And that's where I ran into Pastor Wright in Kenya on a mission trip with Maranatha. And at that time, I was about halfway through my school year. And that one school year, I did 18 mission trips in a span of 13 months. Wow. And after that year, I went back to work full-time where I teach public high school. And it was a great way to witness because people asked me, well, what did you do during that year off? And I would say, I did all these mission trips. I said, but if you want to read about it, there's an article in the Volunteer Magazine. There's an article in the Pacific Union Now, let me stop you right here. 
to go on a Maranatha mission trip, having been on a Maranatha mission trip, or we could say any mission trip, are they typically free? No. There's airfare involved and, and insurance stuff and passport stuff. I mean, that would be a one time. But all the others, get, it gets quite expensive. So you had to make some significant life changes and adjustments and sacrifices and say, I don't need this, 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 and this. I don't need to live at this level, this lifestyle, da, da, da. Because I'm going to go on 18 mission trips. I mean, that's, you kind of just whoop, went right over top of that. But that's a big deal. Yeah. I um, want well, to... In- Getting ready for that, I had my own condo. I was working. I'd been working for like 15 years, living on my own. And so I moved out of that condo so that I could move in with my parents to save money on the mortgage. And so before that school year even started in 2016, I moved in with my parents. And I stayed there throughout the duration of the time. And by the end of my year off, when I went back full time, although it was a great witness to be able to come back to my coworkers and students and say, hey, look what God did for these last few months, um, I was very stressed, extremely, extremely stressed. When I came to GYC last year, I was just like ready to pull my hair out because going back to working full time and trying to still do ministry, help take care of my parents. My mom, um, right before I moved into 2016, she had fallen and broken her ankle and she's 79. And so when you're older, you know, things don't heal as fast. And so now she needs more help getting around and everything. And so I was trying to help my parents and be involved in ministry. And it was a lot. And I realized, as you know, I come to work every day. My coworkers were like, how was your weekend? They're like, oh, it was great. Oh, Monday. I can't take it. When's Friday? And this constant idea like, that we have here in America that you always have to be working. You always have to be stressed. All you want to do is make all this money that you're never going to get to spend until you retire. And you can never just come up and say, hey, I feel great. I'm energized. I'm rested. Nobody comes to work and says that. And so I see these people in these other countries that I had visited, they're so happy and content with a fraction of the money that I was making. And so I said, you know what, I can live off of half my salary. So during this school year, I teach every other day. I teach public high school, we have a block schedule. And so I work half the time, the other half the time, I have time to do ministry and help my parents, which means that I'm actually still living with my parents so I don't have the money to pay for a mortgage. And so I'm making a sacrifice still, even though I went back to work, because ministry is that important. And not being super stressed at all times is very important, because that's when the enemy gets us and says, oh, you know what? You're so stressed. You don't need to really spend that much time in the Word. You don't really need to spend that much time praying. And that's when you fall into his trap. So last year you came to UIC and you were like, how do you feel this year? I'm energized. I was just thinking about how much better I feel this year than I did last year. Last year was my first UIC I'd ever been to. And I'm so excited now that I feel more relaxed. It's better for everyone involved, for my family, for my parents. I have time to help them. My siblings aren't as stressed because they don't have to do all the work. My students have scored the best they ever have on their final exams because I'm never tired. I'm never at work thinking, okay, kids, let's just do a worksheet. I'm so tired. I'm never tired. I'm like, oh, I only teach them today and I don't see them tomorrow. Okay, let's go. Let's do this with gusto. I got to get you ready. They're like ahead of their other classes in Spanish because I'm so energized. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I hadn't seen her since, have I seen you since that mission trip? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so when I saw you back here and then you came up, I said, so how did you re-enter? What has changed or is it just life as usual? She says, oh no. So I wanted her to share that with you. Thank you, Mary, for sharing that. And uh, she has another place she needs to be, but I appreciate you sticking by uh, to share that with us. So maybe some food for thought as how we approach life. 
Uh, and you might say, well, I'm a student, I can't go part-time, uh, or whatever it is. Well, you can choose how many hours you're going to take, uh, and those types of things. And so, <clears throat> some, something that I think all of us need to keep in mind is any time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else, or probably multiple other things, right? And I think we need to keep that in mind and make sure our yeses are the most important things that need to be done as opposed to just everything is a yes, 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 yes. Uh, by and large, most of us need to say no a lot more often uh, so that we can keep the main thing the main thing, right? All right. So we're talking about mission of attendance and involvement. Maybe you've been to a sporting event uh, where it seems like everybody is there. And before the game even starts or whatever the event is, there's just this energy, right? You're trying to find a place to park. You have to have 30 minutes in advance just to find a parking space. You pay $25 just to park for a few hours. Now you're following the hordes of people. It's a little bit like GYC. Which, which way are we going? Which way is, is breakfast this morning? Just follow the crowd. And everybody's going, going, going. <clears throat> you feel like you're at something big. There's extra cops you know, directing traffic, the whole thing. What happens when you go to a game and it looks more like this? Uh, and you might say, well, I don't go to a game, but I think you can still think of other situations. But you show up to any event, and there's one person there, two people there, and you kind of duck back out thinking, I don't think I want to be there, right? Nothing may have changed. It may be the same teams. It may be the same speaker. It may be the same whatever. But just because there's not many people there, you feel like, Oh, I thought this was going to be a thing, but it's not a thing. And if I didn't get the memo that it's going to be lame or terrible or whatever, so I'm just going to exit. Um, so your attendance and my attendance at various things is important, right? Class reunions. Oftentimes, you know, a lot of you younger people don't know much about this yet, but you will. But the big thing, it's the same as when you are younger. The question that is always asked, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Are you going? Are you going? And people decide oftentimes if they're going to show up based on who's there. And if you say, no, 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 too busy, can't, blah, 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 other plans, then I'm not going to go either, right? Here's a family reunion I got offline uh, that now is part of our seminar. <clears throat> I'll be home for Christmas. Some, for some odd reason, it's important for moms to have all their kids there, right? Otherwise, it's just not the same. Uh, the Little League game, when dad's out there in the stands cheering you on, uh, it's, it's important. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, <clears throat> how about if you promise your kids you're going to read them a story or a niece or nephew? Uh, that, that may be the biggest highlight of their whole day. So whether or not you show up, again, is a big deal. Uh, helping with homework, same thing. And so we're asking the question about the local church and the ministry of showing up. You know, a lot of times people will say, young people, I wish my church would just take me more seriously and allow me to be involved more. Uh, well, this would probably be my response if I was your pastor and that would be, I'd love for you to be involved. How can you be involved? Uh, what would you like to do? What are you able to do? And those types of things. Typically, the challenge with involving young people is they are so busy with other things. And so maybe making some choices like Mary did to say, I'm going to say no to these things so I can say yes to these other things 
is a big part of that because the reality is you and I can't do everything, can we? We can only do a set amount of things. Um, but let's say you're in a church where everybody is kind of old and disgruntled and unkind. I know we don't have a church like that in North America, but let's just pretend that there was one and you belong to it. How could you get involved there? You're too young. We don't need you. I mean, they might literally tell you that. And you're like, ouch, okay. Uh, a good phrase in that situation is, okay, I'm going to let that go, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm not here for you necessarily anyway, um, ultimately. Um, but what would happen as a young person if you just started showing up to stuff? And when I say showing up to stuff, I mean prayer meeting, you know, when the church has a church business meeting, you have every right to be there and speak up as much as the, the head elder has a right to speak up. You have the same vote if you're a baptized member as the head elder does. And he gets up and pontificates and says this or that and gives a nod. Well, you can get up and say, well, and, you know, do it humbly. Don't go up there and say, you're wrong and blah, 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 and make a big speech and embarrass anybody. But you can say, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to this information, I just have some questions and reservations of my own that this isn't, you know, we, have we asked this question? Have we thought about this? And blah, 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 blah. Uh, you have every right and ability to do that. Uh, same with the church board meeting. You can go and attend any church board meeting that you want to uh, in the local church. But before we, we jump into that too much, let's get a, a biblical foundation here. Exodus 28 to 11, we know is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your strangers within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Longest commandment, fourth commandment. Where in that commandment did it say I had to go to church? Did you read it? I mean, it talks about keeping it holy. It talks about not working. How I need to remember the Sabbath. But it doesn't say that, you know, you need to be at Sabbath school at 9.30. You need to stay for church at 11. You need to stay for potluck. And then you need to stay after that for the afternoon program. And, you know, it doesn't say any of those things. Um... It's in Leviticus 23.3. It says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Now, what is a holy convocation? Well, convocation is a large formal assembly of people uh, or the action of calling people together for a large formal assembly. So we have other places where it talks about they did, in fact, assemble or, quotes, go to church, if you will, on the Sabbath day. Uh, and we have other examples of them coming together. Certainly there's many in Acts and so on. Leviticus 23, verse 3. Six days... Oh, I already did that one, didn't I? Yeah. So Sabbath isn't just about you, your rest, your time of reflection with the Lord, etc. It includes coming together as a corporate body of believers. And sometimes I think we view the Sabbath in kind of a selfish way. The Sabbath is my day to do with what I want to do uh, I don't want to be involved with this, that, and the other. I just want to sleep, right? Or I just want to go out in nature. Or I just want to, you know, recreate. Um, and I think, in large part, sometimes we lose the bigger picture of what Sabbath was intended to be. And it's not bad to get out for a hike and all those things. I'm not saying that. It's not bad to take a nap, necessarily, on Sabbath either. Um, 
but it's, it's bigger than just me and my wants and my desires. And the same with going to church. We have a very... Um, our approach to going to church sometimes has, has denigrated, if you will, down to the level of, okay, I'm going to come, and I'm going to be here, but it better be good, and I better get something out of it. You know, and somebody asks you, how was church? Well, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, what did you put into it? Nothing. You just, you know, and so we're just like these consumers when it comes to church, when really church is more, we're gathered together, uh, we assemble together and we're trying to build each other up. That's ultimately the picture of the, especially in the book of Acts, that we see the believers coming together and breaking bread and fellowship and, and coming together in those ways. There's more than me just coming in and saying, now, because I can and I have members, and some it's legitimate and others I wish they'd come to church, but they'll turn on 3ABN or Loma Linda Broadcasting or whatever and they'll get their sermon that way. And that's a good ministry and it has its place. There are times when you're in the hospital or you're sick or you you're, don't have a ride to church or any number of things, I suppose, that might legitimately keep you, and that's a good thing, and I've tuned into those things at times as well. But if that is my sole connection to the church is through this TV connection, it's very limited, isn't it? I can get spiritually fed. And let's face it, you can find better speakers that way than coming to hear me at my church. They're there. But the problem then becomes, what happens on the week that you don't turn on your TV? Who notices? Nobody. What happens when there's a death in your family? Who visits? Nobody. What happens when you're just feeling down for whatever reason? Who encourages you? Nobody. How about... Flipping it around, who are you encouraging when you turn it on? Nobody. I mean, you see my point. It's a very one-way pipeline to you, but it's not fulfilling all of what church was intended to be. And so it's important when we all show up. Um, maybe your church has had some special speaker that came. Uh, let's suppose Mark Finley were to come to your church or somebody of that caliber. I imagine that your church would be maxed out. If people knew he was coming, it would be full. You know, there wouldn't be one empty seat. There'd be people standing, people, people sitting here on the edges because we've come to hear Mark Finley, and that's all good. But even just the fact that it's all full creates this sense of excitement, a sense of everybody's here, I have a seat and they don't, so I better pay attention. All of those things are beneficial simply because of attendance. And so you could see that, say that there's a real ministry in just showing up and attending things because it creates energy and there's more interaction and maybe you see people you haven't seen for a long time and vice versa. Uh, and the Sabbath is, is largely about those things. Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, who's, who's this talking about? Jesus. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And so there's another piece there. But we make excuses. I get just as much blessing in nature. Have you heard that one before? Or maybe you've used that one before? Is nature wonderful? Yes. Uh, are there times that you've just had this busy week and you're just peopled out and you just need to run to the mountains? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but if it's all the time, all the time, all the time, you're, you're truly missing something. Uh, the sermons are better on 3ABN. Might be true. Uh, we had company. 
I think that's really interesting. Why didn't you come to church? Because we had company. Well, that would certainly not be a good witness to say, well, we always go to church on Sabbath. You're welcome to come with us. If not, we'll be home at whatever time, but we'd love for you to come and, and so on. No, that would be terrible. So a better thing to do is just pretend we never go to church and just stay home because we have company. I don't know. Maybe it depends on who they are. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Too tired. Uh, I hear that one oftentimes to go to church. Uh, it's my only morning to sleep in. Now, a lot of you probably start your mornings very early. Uh, six o'clock, many of you might wake up, some 5.30, some 5 o'clock, uh, some maybe 7. I doubt many people wake up much. It depends on your schedule. Maybe you can. But this idea of too early, it, it's interesting to me that people can show up to work by and large at 8 o'clock, some at 7.30. My wife has to be at her job by like 7.15, which means she has to leave the house, you know, about... Uh, six, yeah, about 6.30 she has to leave the house. She has to get up really early. So if she has to leave the house for work at 6.30, and then to make it to church, she has to leave the house at 9.15, is there a few extra hours in there? In fact, I had a, a family came out to me the other day. They said, you know, somehow we just, the alarm didn't go off, and we just slept in, and we woke up, and it was like 9.15. We said, hurry, we got to go to church. And when they were telling me this, it was like 9.30. And I was like, wow, this is impress impressive. You all got ready, and you were here in like 15 minutes. And they're like, yes, we found out that we can get a lot more sleep and still be here. <laughs> anyway, is that a good excuse? We're on vacation. That's interesting, too. We're on vacation, so we're also on vacation from spiritual things. Well, I don't know where the churches are. Now, come on. Does anybody here have a device in your pocket that you could just type in this peculiar word called Adventist near me, right, or whatever it is, and they all pop up, and they, you see there's three or four in the area? Well, I don't know if it's going to be according to my like and, and preference and so on. It may not be, but go anyway. And, you know, try to be kind and, and tolerant or whatever. But you might be in a place where, man, they do this a little different or they do that different. That's a good idea or this is a good idea. And you could pick up things. We could do that in my local church, right? So instead of, well, we're on vacation. Great, I'm glad you're on vacation. Go to church. <clears throat> All right, I'll be done. They're not friendly to me. Man, we can be so, such ninnies. Are there unfriendly people? Yes. Do they go to our churches? Yes. Do they speak for the whole church at large? No. Are there unfriendly people at Walmart and Target? Yes. Do you still go there? Yes. You know, well, nobody talked to me. Did you talk to anybody? Well, no, I was the visitor. So? Why can't you be a friendly visitor? Hey, so good to be with you all today. This is such a nice church. I just love what you've done here, and the music was so inspiring. Man, I just wish I could be part of this community and part of this church. You're a visitor. Stop talking. That doesn't happen. Um, you know, so, so nobody talks to you. Then maybe it's, it's good for you to think, okay, well, what about in my local church? Uh, do I tend, I mean, human nature is such that we congregate with people that are like us that we know, 
that are our friends. And so potluck or whatever, hey, can you sit? Okay, let's all sit over here. We'll fill this table. And here's some visitors over here. It's just, oh, that's too bad. There's only a couple people. Hey, glad you're here. Okay. Were you perhaps just doing what you didn't like at the other place when you were not being friendly? Hey, we're so glad you're here. Where are you from? Oh, you're on vacation. Wonderful. Did you see this and that? Oh, that's so great. Well, you're more than welcome to stay for potluck. In fact, we'd love for you to sit at our table. Why are you doing that? Because now I've been on the other end and I've seen how easy it is to not be nice and friendly or, or you know, what it, it feels like, I should say. And it's not that hard to be friendly. I just have to put on my, my glasses to look for that. But I've never known of anybody that goes to church and they're so mean that they die. They literally kill you. I've never heard it happening in my life. So just, you know, buck up a little bit. Pull up your, your big boy pants and, and go to church. Okay, in Leviticus 23, there were other occasions besides the Sabbath worship service they were expected to attend. Uh, things like, and these are all in Leviticus 23, Passover, Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and you might say, but we're not ancient Israel. And you would be correct. We are not. Uh, you might say the Old Testament sacrifice pointed forward to Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, and the veil was torn from top to bottom, so we don't have to do all those things anymore. And that's true. I don't have a Feast of Trumpets ceremony in my church. Uh, and so you could say, since the Feast of Ancient Israel are no longer required of believers, it might be easy to assume that the only holy convocation we have to concern ourselves with is the Sabbath morning worship service. And so that's why, by and large, most people only show up Sabbath morning. And when do they show up? Well, Sabbath school's kind of lame. It's not really my thing. It's my only morning to sleep in. So I'll wake up. I'll have a late breakfast. And then I'll, I'll come to church. But even, you know, the preliminaries, I don't care so much about that. I just want to hear the sermon. And so you even if you pay attention in your worship service, it fills up as it gets closer and closer and closer and closer to the sermon. People hear the sermon and they don't even want to wait for the closing hymn or even the closing prayer. They want to be the first one out the back door and go home. And that's all that's required of me. That's what oftentimes people think. Uh, and you come to that same church that might have... I don't know, five, six, seven hundred people on Sabbath morning. Maybe in your context it might be 80 or 100. I don't know. But then you go to prayer meeting, and who's there? The little old lady that's always there. The guy that always unlocks the church. One other person that just kind of grunts things, and you don't even know what, they're not legible. And the pastor. Now, if you're new to the area and you show up, and there's this group and everything's just kind of doldrum and whatever, are you likely to come back? Probably not. But if you come and it's full, and it's vibrant, and there's good singing, and there's good fellowship, are you likely to come back? I mean, even if the program is identical, if you have two people in the church, or if you have a full church, does it feel the same? It doesn't. It feels entirely different. The other thing is that how often do you see a young person engaged in prayer meeting or some of these, quotes, extra things? Largely, you don't. And I think the biggest way as a young person to gain credibility in the local church isn't hard. It's just showing up. Reading the bulletin and finding out when things are happening and saying, I'm going to make that a priority. Oh, well, that means I'm not going to be able... That's true. I have to say no to this. Yeah, that's true too. 
And maybe you could attend it for a while and, and, and notice, you know, I think it'd be a little better if we did it like this. And after you've been coming for a few weeks, you know, they might start begging and pleading with you, will you help us lead out in this part or make this better or whatever? Will you do the soundboard for us? Will you do whatever for us? And you'll have opportunity to improve it. Um, I better keep rolling. I want to tell a story of somebody here. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Does this sound like they're getting together just for an hour on Saturday morning? No, it sounds like they're with each other a lot. Uh, and they're really connecting with one another a lot. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divide them among all as anyone had need. I mean, that's a real connection. I mean, so many of our churches have become so impersonal because we just come for an hour or two and then we go home. Uh, in our church, we try and do evangelism once a year and we'll do like a health emphasis leading up to it and that will last for like four weeks and then we'll take a little small break but not very long, a couple weeks or so, and then we go into an evangelistic series, and at the end of that, we've had people coming, a group of about 100 people that will come for those two months, from February till, I don't know, April or into March or something like that, and it's always astounding to me as the pastor, sometimes I'm a little bit tired of preaching, 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 or, or my associate back here, he's doing it this time, so I'm glad I have an associate, but uh, you can get a little tired and think, oh, glad for this you know, four nights a week thing to be done for now. But invariably, I hear people at the end say, I'm just really sad. What do you mean you're sad? Aren't you glad that we're almost done? We've done this thing, and we're done. And they say, I know, it's been, you know, it's been a little bit intense, the schedule, but I just, I'm going to miss seeing everybody. Because we just saw each other so often, and we were connecting and following up, and and it was just, we look forward to, at the end of the day, hey, I'm going to be with my church family tonight. I'm going to see them again and have share a meal together. And it's just nice. And, and I'm sad that's going to be done after tonight. And sometimes these are the volunteers that are actually doing all the cooking for these groups and all the rest. There's something about fellowship and coming together that is so vital and important. Um, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Because everybody's connected. Everybody's involved. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It doesn't say it was a Wednesday night, but it sounds like they're going to prayer meeting. And you say, well, I don't know about our prayer meeting. Just go. Uh, your pastor might be really tired of prayer meeting too because nobody's there, because you're not there. Well, I don't want to go by myself. Perfect, go with somebody else. Call a friend. Say, hey, let's do this new thing. If we get six of us young people to come, we'll have the majority of the people in prayer meeting, and then we'll be in charge. <laughs> Great, do it. Bring your friends. And, and ask your pastor, you know, if there's a group of us, we really want to, improve prayer meeting. And we were thinking, what if we did this, or what if we did that, or what? I bet you, by and large, your pastor's going to say, that sounds wonderful. Let's do it. <clears throat> Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. 
Again, a, another reference perhaps to some prayer meeting type service. He came to the household of Mary where many were gathered together praying. So prayer meeting is important. Um, showing up demonstrates several things. What you value, what is important to you, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It also shows what you do just because you want to, not because you have an assignment or responsibility. You know, that's a little secret within ministry. If you want a lot of people to show up, give everybody a job or a task, and then they have to be there. <laughs> well, what if you just come because you want to come? That says something, right? Um, we had a, a, an individual who decided to take on this thing of social ministry. And you might say, oh, that's a fluff ministry. It's really not a fluff ministry because a social ministry is something that you can invite people to. Uh, we'll talk about this in a couple sessions, it's a planting seed type of a thing. Yes, it bonds together in fellowship, and that's equally important. But then you can say to your neighbors or whatever, hey, our church is doing this thing. It's, it's no pressure. We're not preaching. We're not asking anybody to hold hands and pray. We're just, it's a fall festival is what this one thing was I'm thinking of. And so just come and have fun with us. And people in our community will show up to things like that that won't come to church yet. They're not ready for that. So that's a legitimate ministry. Well, this person had some property, and they fixed up their property. They bush hogged, they mowed, they got the barn all cleaned out. They had animals and even brought in a few extra animals for some rides. And, I mean, you're getting the picture. They really went all out for this fall festival. And the weather was a little bit shoddy, which wasn't in their favor. But nobody showed up. Like there was like, I don't know, eight people? tons of food and all this other stuff and arrangements. What does that say to that leader that went to all the work and all the trouble? What's their what would your response be? I mean, at nominating committee time, we ask people, will you do this? No. Why? Because no one will show up. We can't be able to get people to come out. There's a legitimate ministry in simply showing up. I mean... How good would GYC be if four people showed up? And you're one of the four. Speakers are the same. Seminars are the same. Music is the same. Food is the same. Everything's the same. Except it's you and three of your friends banging around in this huge, big place. My hunch would be, regardless of what the, the sermons were, you'd leave here saying, that was a little lame. Right? I don't know if I'm going to come next year because that was weird. <clears throat> so attendance can be a greater indicator of involvement than work can be. Uh, sometimes we think we need to, to do a lot of work and, and have an office and so on. But involvement is a, is a big deal. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting, that means encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When do we encourage one another? Well, when we see them. Typically, that's not the only way, but it's talking about assembling ourselves together so that we can encourage, exhort, build up one another as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Do we feel like the Lord's coming soon? Do we need to then forsake gathering together? No, he's saying just the opposite. Don't forsake gathering together. Come together. Um... And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, says it again. So attendance, you could view, is encouragement ministry. Every time you show up to your Sabbath school class, many of you might come from a church where there's a youth Sabbath school 
or a young adult Sabbath school, and if you show up, you're the only person that might show up, or one of two or three. Uh, we have four kids, and sometimes if we go to a small church, just our four kids walking through the door, oh, we have kids for Sabbath school today. Oh, you know, we actually had a class. We had like eight people. We had ten people. It was amazing. And it feels different, right? Do you like to sit in there within the youth Sabbath school with like just you and like the old person teaching or, you know, uh, you kind of look in there and you're like, uh, I think I have to go to the bathroom forever. Every ministry in some measure rises and falls based on attendance. So church socials, church business meeting, uh, and we change names to try and get people to show up. Um, community outreach. Um, I mean, if, if you, maybe I should just keep going. Men's ministry, women's ministry, you know, what makes it good or bad? Oftentimes, yes, programming can make a difference, but who shows up can make a bigger difference oftentimes. Um, church work day. I showed a picture of this last session of a dilapidated church. I should have thrown that in here. Um, but if you get a, a huge group together, and say, hey, our church is looking a little bit tired. But there's some simple things we could do. And you start listing them off. Well, we could do, put some paint on the walls. We could do this. We could do that. So for maybe 200 bucks, we could rake leaves. We could pull weeds, you know, trim some bushes. Do some of these simple things. Pick up litter in the front ditch. Whatever it is to make the church look like it should. The house of God. Um, and if you organize, if you have a big group show up, it can be very exciting to see, you know, the before and after picture. Have you ever done something like that? Or for, if it's a community outreach, you descend on some lady who is, you know, shut up inside and she can't come out and do all the things that she needs to. And you clean the gutters, there's a tree growing out of it, and you trim the bushes, you haul that away, and you cut the grass, and you blow everything off and rake up leaves and sticks and the whole thing. And you might even tell your group, we're going to be there for two hours, and then we're going to be done. And you have the before, and you have the after, and you have the group shot. And this is fun. If you have enough people there, it's fun. Now, if it's just Zach and I there, slugging it out, and we get like three bushes cut, and the grass is still high, the, the tree is still growing out of the gutter, and everything is still a mess, and the after picture after two hours, we're like, right? It's not fun. The energy has been lost. Um, one other quick freebie on WorkBees, though. Plan out exactly what you're going to do, who's the leader of each part of it, and then have sign-ups. Because sometimes I've had a church work bee, and everybody shows up, and there's not enough people to point to what and to give them what they need and get them started in the paint or the Windex or whatever it is, and they say there's nothing for me to do, and they leave. So give them heads up on what they're doing, and they don't know what to bring. I need to bring a rake, or I need to bring a paintbrush, or I need to bring stuff to clean windows. Have them sign up. You'll probably have a better result. Uh, school events. I mean, if you've ever been to a school event where there's nobody there, usually there's a lot of people there, though. Why? Because the kids are involved, and so their parents are there, their grandparents are going to be there. And does that make a difference in the school event? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just another practice. Sabbath school. Oh, I also do adult Sabbath school for Carolina Conference, so don't get me started on this one. Um, I already mentioned prayer meeting. Young adults, we need your energy, enthusiasm, your expertise. Uh, we need you to just show up. I think this is a very interesting quote that I would encourage you to write down and mark up if you have a volume of the testimonies uh, or just put in the leaflet of your Bible or something. Many students have made their studies a first-rate object and have neglected prayer and absented themselves from the Sabbath school and the prayer meeting. 
and from neglect of religious duties, they have returned to their homes, backslidden from God. That's a sad quote to me, but I see that all too often. You're in school, and I know what it's like to be in college, to be maxed out. I worked about 35 hours a week when I was in college. Uh, that makes for a very full schedule. And it can be very tempting to think, I'll reconnect with God after medical school, or after I get my degree, or after I get in the workforce, or whatever it is. Life doesn't really slow down. It just keeps rolling and racing along. And if we don't continue to put God first, I mean, you've heard stories, and I have too. We just are, are quick to dismiss them, I guess, when it's our own experience. But these people that are in medical school, in residency, hardly getting any sleep, but they're still going to honor that first that says, Seek ye last the kingdom of God. Oh, first, thank you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You're not going to study on Sabbath? Nope. I'm going to take the whole day off. You're going to bomb out. You're never going to make it but they get the rest that they need. They get to be out in nature. They get to socialize. They get to attack the book Saturday night feeling a little more fresh and energized. Um, it's really this idea of stewardship of our time. You know, when we return a faithful tithe and we give offerings, God makes somehow, some way our money stretch. Can he do that? He does it all the time. Is that why we do it? Well, not necessarily, but God blesses us when we... Put him first. I've oftentimes challenged my church, see if you can't, if God doesn't bless you and make the, what remains go further than before, or we'll give you a full refund. Never had anybody ask for a refund. Maybe they don't believe that I'd give it to them. Um, but it's the same with our time. If we seek God first, we say, you know what? I'm going to make prayer meeting my local church a priority. I'm going to make church attendance and Sabbath school attendance a priority. The most important part of their education has been neglected. That which lies at the foundation of all true knowledge should have been made a secondary consideration. Um, sorry, should not have been made of secondary consideration. So the foundation there is time in the Word, time in devotion, going to church, being part of church activities and church life, because that's a priority. And I like what Mary Johnson shared about how she reorganized her life, quit work, went on 18 mission trips, and when she came back, she decides, I'm only going to be involved part-time in my work because I want to have time to be involved in other things. That takes a sacrifice in many other areas of life. But she said no to certain things so she could say yes to other things. I thought we'd finish this quote. We'll keep going. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This must not be made last but first. Have you heard of total member involvement? That's every member doing something for Jesus. If you do something, do you like it when people show up? Sure you do. Um, and church gives us that, that opportunity. 1 John 3, 4, and 5. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. What if Jesus didn't show up? What if Jesus said, you know what? I don't know if you understand here, but I'm part of the Trinity and I'm kind of busy, maybe you haven't seen my calendar, but I have to be anywhere and everywhere all the time, and uh, I'm running the universe, 
keeping everything in check. I raise up kings and put down kings and all that. My schedule's a little full. So I don't know I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to show up and I'm not going to make it. Um, I want to tell you a story. This isn't a picture of him, but I just put this picture up to remind me of the story. His name is Donnie Murphy, and he came to our church a couple years ago, came into one of our evangelistic series. That in the course of a lot of other things. It wasn't just that. It was many things that came together. But he made a decision at an evangelistic series. Before he even made the decision, he was so integrated into our church. Uh, What does that mean? Well, he would show up early for every church function. And a lot of our church functions involve food, because that also is a secret to help people show up. And uh, so he would come an hour or two early and help, you know, how can I help? Can I chop onions? Do you want me to wipe down the tables? Do you want me to sweep? What do you want me to do? He was not above anything. You could give Donnie any task, he would do it. And then when it came to the microphone system, you know, hey, can I help you set up your computer? Sure. Do you need the mic? Let me get it out for you. You know, and he was just very helpful. He wasn't in the way. He wasn't pushy. He was just helpful. And then at the end, he would put it away. He would wrap it up. Everything is ready to go. Before long, he's on our AV team or soundboard team. He's, he's you know, doing stuff in the kitchen. He's doing stuff over here, doing stuff over there. I mean, virtually the entire church knows who Donnie Murphy is. Why? Because he's like omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time helping. Hey, can I help you? What do you need? Let me see if I can help you or, or go find that for you. He just is always there. The doors are open and Donnie's there. And he has a tremendous ministry. And, and then he, he decided, uh, I want to do something. Uh, I feel impressed to start a ministry for people that are shut in and aren't able to be here. And maybe we can record stuff or we have live stream going already. And I'd like to get him little iPads. And so that's what we did out of his own money. He got a bunch of iPads and we tried to figure out ways to make them safe so that little kids couldn't see things they shouldn't and all those kinds of things. But it didn't really work well because a lot of the shut-ins didn't know how to work iPads and it was overwhelming to them and trying to find it. And it morphed into a Roku ministry. Roku ministry? Yeah, well, that's where he would take a Roku, would buy one for, what are they, $30 or something now? And it's still going. He goes into their house. If they have a Wi-Fi connection, uh, he can just plug it right in or any internet connection, I think, but maybe it's Wi-Fi. He's the, ask him. But he goes in their house, and he sets it all up and, and gives them a tutorial. It takes them about 45 minutes to an hour to get everything set up. And he says, now if you want to watch our worship service, all you have to do is push here. That's so easy. And it just took off. Now he's doing this BibleStudyOffer.com thing. And, and he's, he's the one that uploads all of my sermons onto Audioverse and other places. He's working at the radio station, editing things. He has, have we given him a job on nominating committee yet? Maybe we have. We haven't had one. Uh, to be able to do that. Anyway, my point is, he just decided to be involved, to show up, to be available, to be helpful. And everybody's like, man, Donnie's amazing. He's incredible. He's fantastic. Let's get Donnie to do it, and so on. Why couldn't they say the same about you? They could. Does it take time, commitment, showing up, a willingness? Saying no to other things, you can say yes to other things. But that's where it comes down really to us. And we can blame, you know, our church doesn't want me, and I've tried, and they push me to the side, and whatever. I'd like to take Donnie Murphy to their church and see them put him, push him to the side. I just don't think it would happen. Oh, well, I'm not a Donnie Murphy. Well, maybe you're not, and you're not necessarily supposed to be. 
But be yourself and be connected. Be involved and see what the Lord will do. Hebrews 10, 37, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Is Jesus going to show up again? He is. And I'm so thankful for that. And I just love this picture. Um, And oftentimes I find myself looking at this picture and thinking, on that day, I mean that one right there, and these, I've heard all of these people down here are real life stories. You know, real parents with real names that lost a real daughter and all this kind of stuff. Um, On that day, how much are you going to think about your GPA? How much are you going to think about what school you graduated from? And was it with honors? Or uh, who you, you know, were you part of the cool crowd? Or what clothes did you wear? Or what car did you drive? You know, any number of things. Hey, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. Let me tell you about the new stats on the last game that was just played. You know, nobody's going to care about, <clears throat> about any of that stuff. Um, and we can be so quick to fill our lives with stuff that doesn't matter. And so what I am challenging this group to do is to go back to your local church. And you don't have to have a game plan. You don't have to have a ministry idea. You don't have to know, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to revamp this. Maybe the Holy Spirit's put that on you, but maybe you just start showing up to stuff. Survey the land. How do they do prayer meeting? I guess I'd have to go attend to find out. What do they do on Friday nights? And what do they do with it? What does the calendar say? What does the bulletin say? I'm just going to show up. I promise you, as a 15-year-old showing up to prayer meeting, somebody's going to have a heart attack. But it would be a beautiful thing. Some churches need a heart attack. <laughs> I better be careful. But... Um, what's going to be important on that day. So I want to open it up. We have just a few minutes if you have any questions or observations or stories that you want to share um, or any objections. You might say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but that's bogus because, or whatever. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. Um, But we have just a few minutes, and then we're going to come back to talk about um, mission to the community. If our churches were to disappear tomorrow, would our community notice? And that's a daunting question, honestly. Uh, Would they be so sad that the Adventist church closed, or would life go on as usual? Uh, Not that we can impact everybody, but who would notice? That's the question we're going to look at next time. But questions about this, this last piece, or observations, or thoughts. I have a roaming mic now. Anybody want to say anything? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit outside of the scope of what you're talking about. I guess maybe looking at it the opposite way. What if you're a church that's struggling uh, getting people to attend? Uh, can you, is, is, is that something you can answer? Um. Like how to get a church that never shows up to anything to actually show up to something. Um, I think some of that may be just trying to have some honest conversations about 
you know, it might have to be Saturday morning and say, so we had a, three people at prayer meeting, and uh, so we're looking at, at some different options of how we could improve prayer meeting. I think the biggest improvement would be if, if y'all were there and if it was a time of fellowship. And, and so, and maybe you could even talk about this at the church board level if you're on the church board. How could we make this more appealing? Because it's obviously not meeting people's needs. Uh, and how, so how can we rethink this to improve it? Uh, and that will probably mean at some level talking to people. Hey, I've noticed that you've never been to prayer meeting, and you might have valid reason for that, but, but what reason do you have? Well, I, I work that night or whatever. Okay, and, and just keep asking those questions. It can be Monday night. It could be another night. It could incorporate food. Um, you could say, is it too much? Do we just have it? I don't know. Let's all... The other approach is that, that I probably, I don't know if I say I like it better, but I think it's important, and we oftentimes leave it out, is try to get a small group of people together to just pray about if it's prayer meeting that you, is heavy on your heart. Lord, I just have a burden for prayer meeting. There's just nobody here ever. And I would love to be a church that prays. Um, sometimes I wonder if, I know in one church that I was in, it was my second district, and prayer meeting was that way. It was pretty lame. And um, it was kind of like a, a very lame worship thought, reading, I could do this at home, why did I come, kind of a thing. And Ruthie Jacobson was in, near that area, and she was encouraging, let's make prayer, let's put that back as the focus of prayer meeting. Because usually, let's rehash all, or talk about all the prayer requests, put them on a board or write them down or I don't know. And so we spend 35 minutes, 45 minutes talking about prayer requests. And we might spend 10 minutes praying. And she was encouraging us and I thought it made sense and people seemed to like it better. Um, we would split prayer up into maybe four parts. And so this first part, we're just going to praise the Lord. And it's going to be kind of a popcorn prayer thing. And if it's a small group, that's pretty easy anyway. And so if you have a praise and something you want to thank the Lord for of his goodness and, and his mercy, his grace, whatever it is, pray about that. And if there's a verse you want to pray back to God, pray about that. And a lot of times I would try and have verses that might go, sometimes I'd pick a book of Philippians, Ephesians, something in a chapter, and how, pick out how in just about all those chapters, there's a lot of these acronyms, uh, praise, repent, repent, ask, yield, and it spells pray or something like that. Uh, so you could just kind of go through something like that. Acts is another one. I'm trying to remember what all those stand for. Adoration, uh, confession, what's thanksgiving and supplication or surrender, I've even heard. Anyway, and you kind of go through those one by one. Um, and then it, we'd also try and incorporate more testimonies uh, if, if you're able to do that. Um, but I think people just really appreciate rather than hearing all the prayer requests and then repeating all the prayer requests, Let's just pray about them one time and be done. Because you can basically inform people, you know, if I'm praying, and in my prayer I say, you know, and be with, with uh, Dorothy, who was in that bad accident. And, you know, I mean, that's maybe one you might want to share some details. But if you just say, continue to be with Dorothy, you know, I visited her today, and I'm praying now. I'm not sharing. I visited her today, and, and she just seemed really discouraged and down. And I just pray that you encourage her in a powerful way. And we want to claim this verse on her behalf. And then I read that verse, and then I just, I'm quiet, and somebody else can pick up and say, I also want to claim this verse on their behalf. And the whole thing can be very, um, not super structured, but just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead in that process. And then when it's quiet in that section of the prayer that you're in, 
And I oftentimes would interject and say, okay, for this, uh, I might read another passage or two and then say, oh, we're going to go into this next part of prayer, which is uh, surrender, you know, maybe to conclude. And so let's just pray prayers of, of surrender that the Lord will help us to surrender our hearts to what his plan and will is. And so it never got huge, but it got to where we had maybe 35 people on some Wednesday nights. Um, and everybody seemed to think it was very enjoyable. And I really enjoyed it myself. So, you know, I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but... Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like that interactive prayer time. And at the church I went to, we used to do that actually during church service. We'd have prayer requests. And, uh-huh. and that was something a lot of people mentioned they really appreciated. We ended up kind of coming up with rather control-oriented ways to manage that because there's always hijackers. Right. How do you manage the hijackers? Because we never really came up with a good idea of how you manage the hijackers, and that can just really make it rough on Well, a and in a smaller church, but it seems like it can get to a size, or depending if they're, like you're saying, hijackers, they always say the same thing, or you're always scared to death what they're going to say. I've had people raise their hands and curse in their requests, and on and on and on, or... I had one lady talk about some crazy theology and a dream she had about goldfish. I mean, it was just all over the place. Um, I know in Hendersonville, for our communion service, sometimes we like to have that sharing time. It's the same thing. And so sometimes we'll put our heads together and say, who do we know in our congregation that has a, a good testimony they can, they can share? And then ask you in advance, William, will you share the, your experience that you had last week with the group? And you'll have about five minutes or so. Um, so then you're kind of hand-picking and you, of course, just don't handpick the hijackers. Um, I mean, you still kind of lose that sense of it just being spontaneous, yeah. Um, and we still do stuff at Hendersonville that is spontaneous. I mean, even this is spontaneous. You could be a hijacker. I could be. Yeah. And I know how. Would you like me to demonstrate? And sometimes, you know, I just have to say, well, William, I appreciate uh, your thoughts, but that's probably something that we need to talk about after uh, but it's not really appropriate for prayer meetings, so we're just going to continue on, but I appreciate what you had to share. Yes, you know, and you do something like that. <laughs> um, but sometimes you do have to interrupt and even stop them before they say too much or, or whatever. And if that doesn't work, am I going to you? Sometimes you have to talk to those hijackers which none of us like confrontation, but you just have to say, look, William, um, every time we offer the mic, you always take it. And that means that nobody else is able to. And we really would like for you to work with us on that and be more selective. Now, sometimes that still just goes, and then you come back again, and you have to say, you know, I, I talked to you on two other occasions, and we're just going to have to say when we share that uh, you're no longer, you don't really have that privilege from here forward. Um, because you just seem to abuse that. Um, And yeah, that might be an ouch for you, and that might even mean you might leave my church. But that also might mean that four other people may start to come because the hijacker has been dealt with. And so I think that's where we need to be shepherds of the flock. And there's sometimes that means i got to whack some some animals that are trying to take out my flock or something or be disruptive. And it's not fun, but it's necessary. Who had the mic back here? Yeah. I just wanted to say what you said about attending is something that I've experienced. I started going to prayer meetings on Wednesdays um, at a church in London, uh, England. Um, 
which is where I'm from. And I noticed the difference it made in terms of them having me get more involved. So now they've actually asked me to be youth leader of the church. And it's been a great opportunity. One of the main reasons I'm here is actually because I'd like to get some advice from you on how to crystallize a vision and strategy for a church, which I suppose is a different subject, and I'm assuming maybe you'll get onto. Um, but yeah, it really does make a difference attending and being more involved, just showing up. And so this has just been really good confirmation of what you've been saying. So you, ultimately, though, you want more of a strategy on what the church could adopt to grow? Well, if I could in a nutshell explain, this last year I was also asked to lead out um, with the young adults. And one of the things we've done was our vision was to follow that text in Luke where it says to love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we wanted to have something holistic where we would throughout the year do things to encourage love for God, prayer time, scripture, Bible studies, that kind of thing, but also have things that would encourage love for one another social times, fun stuff, and also even things to love ourselves, taking care of our mental health, physical health, etc. Mm -hmm. um, I found that we struggled with that to some extent because I think our nature struggled to love. Um, and this year I thought, let's put Jesus, this person, Jesus, um, at, at the forefront of our vision. And so this year the, the idea is looking unto Jesus um, that being the vision, but it, that sounds very general to me, very broad. Mm -hmm. So I'm wanting to make that more concrete, that vision of looking to Jesus for the young people. So I was wondering, how do I do that? What do I need to do? Yeah, and that's a good umbrella, but you do need to, to be a little bit more specific all exactly. the way through. Exactly. I'm, you may not like my answer. I'd say come back on the fourth no, that's, session, that's and I'm yeah. going to try and look at a holistic approach to growing the church and the various pieces, because typically a church will be strong in one or two areas, but they'll leave out another two or three areas. That really short circuits the whole grow model, if you will, of church growth. So that's what I'm gonna look at in the fourth session. I think that might be helpful to your question a little bit. Okay, um, great. Yeah. Okay, great, thanks. Okay. All right, it's that time. So that's another thing I'm going to say about people attending. Try not to go over because they might have an incredible experience even, but if you keep them for too long and they look at their watches and they say, oh man, I can't get home at 1130 every night after prayer meeting. I'm never going to come again. So try and be done on time. So we'll see you again. Well, if you choose this, you may choose somewhere else and that's fine. There's a lot of great things out there. 12 o'clock to 1245 and then lunch. Whatever you do, don't miss lunch at 1. So let's just bow our heads for a quick word of prayer, and then we'll reconvene here talking about how to do mission to the community. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you will help us to be balanced in all of this. Certainly, attendance is important. And as we've been talking about church functions, I think really the, the big idea here, I don't want to guilt anybody for not attending everything the church is doing on any given time. None of us can do that. I can't do that as the pastor of a church but to prioritize in life how we can be more plugged in, how we can be more involved, and through that very simple involvement and attendance, gain trust within the leadership and trust within the membership and be given opportunities, and people will come to us asking as they observe us to serve various roles. And so that can be a very easy way that we can become involved 
uh, for building up your church and improving your church, not just as a spectator, uh, but as a change agent empowered by the Holy Spirit. So help us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.